I wanted to let our listeners know that we had some technical difficulties with this week's recording, and Seth and Steven's recordings uh, aren't up to our typical recording standards. Um, we do still feel that the episode is uh, listenable, uh, and we had a great conversation. So we do apologize for that, and uh, you know we'll do better next week. Thanks very much for listening. Good afternoon, good morning, or good evening, and welcome to the American Age Podcast. This is your host, C. Travis Webb, editor of the American Age, and I am speaking to you from sunny and cool Irvine, California. Hi, this is Stephen G. Fullwood. I am the co-founder of the Nomadic Archivist Project and the exhibitions coordinator for Marking Time, Art in the Age of Mass Incarceration, an, exhi- follow, an exhibition traveling the United States that will be opening at the National Underground Railroad Freedom Center April 21st, 2022. And I am coming, I am here in Harlem. It's a sunny day and it's coming, we're moving to spring. Amen. Uh, this is Seth Rodney. I am the opinions editor and senior critic at Hyperallergic, the online arts magazine. And I'm coming to you from Newburgh where I am drinking gin. Hallelujah. <laughs> this is good. I, I wish I would have known I would have come armed with more than my cup of coffee. So. Mm-hmm. <laughs> um, There's still time to play catch up. <laughs> <laughs> so uh, this is to remind our listeners that we practice a form of what we like to call intellectual intimacy, which is giving each other the space and time to figure out things out loud and together. And today we're going to talk about Joe Rogan. We talked, you know, we kind of touched on this on a previous podcast. Um, we will, of course, also spend a few minutes talking about uh, what's going on in the Ukraine, since it's um, all over the place and pretty uh, consequential moment for Europe and potentially the world, depending on what Russia decides to do. So, you know, I don't, I didn't really, we didn't really talk about this ahead of time. We just kind of mentioned that we should you know, touch on it. Where are you guys at with, with all of this? Like how plugged into it are you? How concerned are you? Uh, how closely are you paying attention to it? So I had a good conversation with a friend of mine this morning who is plugged in basically to news, whether it's mm-hmm. local, national, international. And he mm-hmm. spoke about the Crimea war and that basically no one did much um, to Russia. It was a 2014 mm-hmm. and that, um, I, because my question was, his name is Sean, friend of ours, um, Trav, uh, Seth and I friend, and Sean told me that he felt like, I said, so I asked Sean whether or not, did he think that Putin had a plan? If how I've been reading that this is a part of a larger plan, right? Um, but Sean said, well, it looks like there's more pressure on Russia right now um, to sanctions in terms of sanctions and other things to withdraw to stop this war but that but that he's he's optimistic in the in the coming weeks that there'll be more pressure against russia you know was it freezing the assets of the oligarchs mm-hmm. restricting mm-hmm. um certain kinds of trade so i what i felt personally because i've been reading in the morning and usually it's the times or um other people pieces there on the ground there mm-hmm. you know very dis, very hard. Sean used the word heartbreaking. It's heartbreaking. Yeah. Um. The other side, not the other side, but one perspective I've noticed is that I don't know what kind of disinformation campaign is going on. If it, if you can even call it that, but there are people who are like, well, what, what, what happened in the what if, the what abouts, right? Mm-hmm, so, mm-hmm. and I'm like, so my brain goes, can you, can you take a moment just to 
to to feel what you're feeling or think about what's happening in the Ukraine right now. This is an unjust war. This is no provocation. Fuck the language around the peacekeepers. You know, we're sending in peace. Peacekeepers are what? They didn't attack you. They didn't. There was no aggression there. Mm-hmm. So I feel like people aren't. Um, some of the people who are trying to the what aboutism. What what about what happened here or there? What's happening right now? I've been trying to wrap my mind around the lack of empathy that they're having for these people because I guess because yeah. it's not happening in Harlem or wherever we're at, you know, there's a disconnect from it. Mm-hmm. Yeah. So, and there's a lot of information, right, to sort through. So that's that's where I'm at right now. But I'm heartbroken. Yeah. Yeah. I've been listening Definitely. to a couple of podcasts. Um, I'm the ones that I typically listen to are the Daily. Um, the New York Times, or produced by the New York Times, um, the Wall Street Journal, and um, the podcast produced by the Washington Post, and I'm blanking on the name right now, but um, they all have been covering the crisis. And I'm not heartbroken. I have to say that there is a there's a there is a bit of a disconnect for me, just because I'm physically and socially disconnected from the place. Now, emotionally and intellectually, I am appalled. But mm. I also see this as sort of being part and parcel of the kind of leader that Putin has been. I mean, Putin, let's not whitewash this in any way. He's a thug. He mm-hmm. is an amoral, brutal, in, in some cases, actor who has a particular political agenda and will like hurt anyone who gets in his way. He's just not, he's just not interested in being in any way, um, sympathetic to anybody he doesn't view as an, an ally. Mm-hmm. So, you know, we saw this when he, uh, essentially tried to murder the, his political rival, the guy who was poisoned and barely escaped to, um, London and survived. Yeah. Um, I'm blanking on his name now. I want to say it's Navalny or something, but, um, Navalny, Navalny. Okay. Thank you. I mean, there's a way in which, he, his actions are just true to form. I mean, he basically said there are these separatist enclaves in Ukraine. We're reclaiming them. Like, I mean, it's a, it's a mostly it's a ridiculous pretext. Well, more, more than just the separatist enclaves, right? I mean, the, I mean, this is the thing that where he caught most of the world flat-footed, right? I mean, I think most of the mm. most of the world, at least in the intelligence they were making public, they thought that it was going to be this play for the. I only ever see it written Donetsk region. I'm not sure how you pronounce these these regions right. of the, these eastern regions of the country that right. have a high uh, proportion of ethnic Russians that live there, who are um, who who, they, who identify with being with Russia, right? Yeah, yeah, exactly. Yeah. And yeah. and that these areas have been contested since 2014, right? Uh, and it was kind of as a touchstone, right? And most people seem to be of the opinion, at least in the commentariat, that this was what. Uh, Putin was going to try and secure, but I mean, it's a full scale invasion. Like it's yeah, not, yeah. I, mean, it's I don't know like, why that's surprising to people. I'm like, this is Putin. Like he's still, cons- I mean, people were talking, I heard on the wall street journal that the speech that he gave just like, I don't know, weeks ago, a month ago, something, he basically said Ukraine, he still considers Ukraine part of Russia. Like there's a pretty famous essay he wrote apparently last year that was, I guess, got a lot of traction in the Ukraine and was talked about a lot there, not so much here, Mm. in which he made this case for uh, kind of Russia's historical empire. Right. Um, And, and 
redentism or whatever. There's a word for this. Like when you basically use historical claims to make some sort of acquisitional claim about a neighboring geography. Like mm. this used to belong to us, therefore, you know, ergo it belongs to us now. Or yeah, that's, like that. that's what Azerbaijan has pretty yeah. much done with Armenia. Yes, right, right, exactly. Yeah. I mean, it's used all. It's used a lot. Mm-hmm. Uh, I mean, it's it's certainly it's certainly a part of uh, China's thinking on Taiwan, mm-hmm. and you know, I mean, it's it's definitely yes. Uh, it's not unique to Russia for sure. I'm sorry, go ahead, Stephen. No, just thinking. What's unique though are the allies, NATO, and your position. D by D, European Union, right? They're kind of all on the same yeah. page about this. They're like, we are going to squeeze you until you say. I give up. And, and, and the thing is, you know, they may, Russia actually may have, because they've been under sanctions since 2014, since the Crimean War. They've kind of learned to subvert in some ways certain, certain international, I should say sanctions on, on the financial, on their financial systems. However, I think we are really screwing, really sort of taking the screws to them by Cutting them out of the SWIFT network, I think that that's going to have yeah. an impact. So only certain banks have been cut out. Okay. So there, some of them, the the major central banks are still left in. Mm. I really, I feel like they're moving there slowly, but I feel like the sanctions are weak. It's it's kind of weak tea. So the mm. the the sanctions that we imposed immediately after the invasion were literally the sanctions that the United States said, hey, if you do this, these are the sanctions we're going to impose. Mm-hmm. And clearly that was not a deterrent because they rolled, you know, mm-hmm. 30,000 people across the border. So mm-hmm. the there there are more serious sanctions that they can levy, like real ones, but they're going to do damage to Europe as well. Mm-hmm. And, and, and by extension, probably somewhat to the United States. And these leaders are very reluctant to inflict any actual pain on their own on their own populace, mm-hmm. which you know it's not like I don't get that calculation. But you know, one of the things that one of the counter arguments that you'll that you'll hear for people that are somewhat more apologist about about Russia is mm. you know NATO expansion you know in the late '90s and early 2000s, which I think there's an argument to be made there. Like the reason to have NATO was pretty thin after the dissolution of the Soviet empire. Like, you know, it's really, this is a Cold War treaty system that I'm not sure how applicable it is. And Keenan, who was the guy that actually was the architect of kind of NATO's victory over uh, the Soviet republics, said in 98, when they agreed to expand NATO, he was like, this is a huge mistake. If you continue to expand NATO, Russia is going to see this eventually as a threat to its own sovereign interests. Mm. And so, so clearly there's a history that just kind of, you know, stupid triumphalism in the West mm. contributed to. Mm. Absolutely. Mm. But at the end of the day, you know, we aren't often presented in international politics with such clear good guys and bad guys. It's almost never the case, right? right. It's almost right. never the case. Right. It's almost always some ugly, messy, politically entangled, uh, you know, difficult to parse morality. Mm-hmm. This is super fucking clear as far as I'm concerned. Like 30,000 Russian troops marched into another country that posed no military threat to them at all. At all. And and what they did was they targeted the leadership of that country. Like they gave, apparently, according to the Israeli press, 
they did mm. the thing that we did in when we invaded Iraq, was we gave out um, these um, decks of cards with the with the pictures of the leadership. Oh, I haven't heard this. Yeah, yeah, yeah. Is, this. Israeli press um, just reported it that um, they give them a, a deck of cards with like the main leaders of the Ukrainian government um, to target them to get mm. them killed. So yeah. you know these guys, they're not fucking around. Like this is Mm-mm. this this is for all the marbles. Did you guys hear what Zelensky said? Because I guess the United States had offered to evacuate him. And he said, and he said, the fight is here. Uh, I need ammunition. I don't need a ride. Right. Where Ooh, are you? Nice. <laughs> nice. Like, nice. I mean, that, like sanctions right. are cute and all this other stuff, but like, we need help. So now, I, so it did Germany, not Germany, it was Germany, Germany sold arms to yes. somebody and then they sold or gave their arms, to, some of those arms to Ukraine. Uh, Ukraine. Yeah. The floodgates have started to open with with uh, more direct uh, military or weapons aid, right? So not not actual military support, but giving you know giving them logistical support with weapons and whatnot. But then I read this morning when I got up that basically Putin was was put their nuclear forces on yes. the highest alert. Yes, uh, I, I I mean the question mark always in these situations is if we're using reason. Uh, and and kind of game theory and rational calculations to determine what Putin's moves are going to be, but Putin is not operating in in that realm. If he's operating in the realm of you know uh, Scott Atran, the anthropologist, has kind of studied this. There's kind of a realm of what you would call sort of sacred totems at the center of of just about any you know kind of national identity, religious identity, whatnot. That. If you are offered money in exchange, so an example would be something like, hey, so, I mean, you know, this is not really going to work because your your mom isn't with us anymore. But if someone offered you money to rape your mother, you would not do some kind of rational calculation to say like, well, a million dollars would mean a lot to me. You would be instantly affronted and Jesus. angry at the offer. Yes. This and And cultures have these kind of central principles. There are things that if you were to say, hey, um, you know, chief imam of of this, you know, uh, like uh, of this Uma, uh, if I give you 10 million US dollars, can I use the Quran for toilet paper or something like that? Ooh, yeah. Even the Ooh, offer, even yes. the offer. Oh, yes. So when you say something like, hey, Saudi Arabia, we're going to give you billions of dollars in aid. Just let us, you know, have troops in, in Riyadh or something like that this kind of sacred territory to to Muslims, it becomes offensive. It actually becomes an inducement to violence as mm. opposed to as opposed to uh, a deterrent. Mm, mm. And so and intuitively, we all kind of understand this. We all have kind of like you understand intuitively mm. like, no, I'm not fucking taking money for this. This is too far. Right. And you understand people that would, engage in that kind of crass commercial transaction as somehow not really human. Like you're really going to entertain this right. like option. They would be a Judas, right? They would be a sellout. They're, they're, they're silver for, you know, the son of God. Mm-hmm. So if Putin, so it's a long preamble to say, if this is where Putin is at, if this is where his psychology is at about, about Russia and sort of Russia's sovereignty and its sacred oh, cultural identity. I see where you're going. If that's if that if he feels threatened on that level, mm. sanctions 
aren't going to do jack shit. Rational calculations aren't going to matter at all because he's willing he's willing to go all the way, right? The last full measure. He's willing to give the last full measure to protect this sacred principle. I'm not pretending to know whether Putin is in that space. I have zero idea whether that is the case. But it's not impossible and it it's it's very it's very possible that we are in an incredibly perilous moment in history right now and and we don't know it we can't see it because we're not inside of this worldview that that this person may have it makes me think of when you're reading a his, history book and you're reading about something like this mm-hmm. you can at the very least you're like you have some overview you have some mm-hmm. this is this battles yeah. here and right you have some but but it's it's so like it's just mind-boggling when he mentioned this nuclear option, right? I was like, is this the Cold War? I mean, what is what 1950s? What are we doing? But it 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 felt like a chess piece. Yeah. It felt like a chess piece, and it also felt like we are playing different games here. Mm. We're, di- we're playing different games here. Um Sean yeah. had mentioned to me this morning that Zelensky had I guess, um, put out a tweet to Turkey by saying that, yes, thank you very much for closing off the areas where the Russians, some area. Russian Navy. Yeah. Right. And they're like, we didn't say that. We didn't do that. But they might have, it's been said that they might have the ability to do that, but that Turkey right now, so far, as far as I know, they're not acting. Yeah, no, Turkey's in a tough spot because Turkey's drawn closer to Russia in the last handful of years because of its estrangement from the West. And so, you know, it's a, it's a calculation for them. But they're not, you know, I mean, but at the same time, an expansionist Russia is not in Turkey's, uh, uh, does interest. not work in Turkey's interest. Yeah, yeah, yeah. yeah. So. But, but my question is, and this is a question I don't think we can answer yet, but it's the one that's obvious, which is if... Putin does deploy nuclear weapons in Ukraine, like what does the rest of the world do? Because that's, that's, I mean, if you do nothing, you basically write him a blank check. Yeah, I I agree. I mean, I think, I mean, you know, I don't pretend to know what the precise capabilities of our military or any military are when it comes to things like that, but you can't do nothing. Yeah, like you, you literally right. like it's just right. that's just it can't that is not that's not an option. It can't right. be an option. Like that's right. not the world we can live in. Right. Even though the alternative might not be a world. Um and so it's I I I mean it's just we're I mean hopefully, you know, in 3 weeks you know, we're talking about like, whew, that was close or glad that that is now, you know, glad that this is just a normal shit show um, that is, of course, awful and terrible and, and, and all of the, you know, I mean, there's you know privation going on in Yemen right now and, you know, ni- Afghanistan is ni- in 97% of it is in poverty and, you know, starvation is a real issue. So it's not like suffering is localized to the Ukraine, but at right now there's a guy in charge of a very large military and the largest nuclear arsenal in the world, larger than the United States, larger than France. I mean, we're a close second, but, and has just used nuclear retaliation as 
Steven said a chess piece. That's, I don't know. That bo- I mean, it, I just, bodes, I, it bodes well for no one. No yeah. one, nobody, nobody wins in, in this scenario. Nobody. And I, but I keep, I just keep thinking like, okay, if you're, if you're a Russian billionaire, you're a Russian oligarch, you're mm. a member of the Kremlin. Mm. Is Ukraine really fucking worth nuclear war? Like, not if you're I'm, Putin, like, I, whatever. So Putin maybe is, maybe wherever his mental state is, I don't know. And maybe it's not anywhere. Maybe this is just, you know, brinksmanship for him. Right. I have no idea. Right. But if it's not, like, aren't the elite in Russia going like, hey, hey Ivan, hey, right. I'm not so sure about this. Right. Like, I really like Gucci. Right. Like, I really, you know, right. like, I really... Well, you know, there is some dissent, but I'm, you're only noticing. I haven't heard any oligarchs come out. You know, it's the people who are like, "No, we're not against this. We're Russians, protests, yeah. not in our name." You know, yeah, no, and yeah. Russians here. You know, in the U.S. and elsewhere, it's that's so good point. I, just, I almost want to pull back that 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 idea that it, he's playing chess. So he's playing a game. I don't know. I don't exactly. know what his game is. Exactly. I don't yeah. know what his game is. Exactly and if he's serious, right. what you said, Travis. If he's serious, it's who. Yeah, no. Yeah, it's scary. It's scary. I love that when we uh, our pundit. Um, wait, 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 there's got to be a noun for that for the pundit class in our. You you call it the commentary. Com- commentary. Yeah, but no, I don't. I don't like that word. It, it, it sounds like. Yeah, I just. Uh, you know why? Honestly, it sounds a little bit Russian to me. And like it does. Like, isn't that weird? <laughs> like, like I'm, I'm now offended by any Russian sounding words. No, it's not. <laughs> no, it's no, no, actually, no, no, I'm just teasing. Yeah, I'm just teasing. It's not about yeah, the Yeah, no, it does have a, it does have no, it absolutely. No, there's Yeah. I don't know. Is, uh, is that, I, I haven't heard that. I mean, you can coin it if you want. Pointitocracy is fine. Yeah. Well, they've, um, you know. We, I, some people call them the laptop class. But that's insulting. Yeah, it is. <laughs> yeah. And fuck that. I have a laptop. <laughs> like, well, well, you can own a laptop without being a laptop class. Mm. Like, you can ride in a limousine without being part of the limousine class. Like, no, fair it's, enough. Like, fair enough. Yeah, like, Very good point. Very good point. Right. Mm-hmm. Right. Yeah. Um, so, they, you know, we people like to say, with regard to a particularly American big party politics, i.e. Democrats and Republicans, they like to say, blah, blah, blah is playing chess while blah, blah, blah is playing checkers. And it, like, yeah, yeah, yeah. I want to say, like, what if Putin is like playing bocce ball? Like, what if he's like playing, yeah. like he's playing something, like something completely fucking different? Like that, like as you as you alluded to, Travis, like it's kind of a scary scenario because it's like you can't read him, you don't know what he's going to do. I.e., you can act rationally, which is exact. I'm just reiterating your point. You can act rationally, yeah, you know, impose sanctions, right. do whatever, and he'll just do something that's off the menu. Yeah, it's possible people are playing chess and Putin walks up and punches them in the nose and says, fuck you, chess belongs to Russia. Right. Like, that's possible the game he's playing. Like, that right. Might be like, right, right. That might be it. Mm-hmm. And, that mm-hmm. might be um, it. And we'll just have to suffer that punch because we don't know what the fuck is going on. And those the people. Like, you know, I mean, it, it almost feels like, um, what do you call it, a... Um, what about the children? You know, that kind of thing. Yeah, it almost yeah, feels like yeah, it doesn't yeah. have the potency, but mm. people are fucking dying. I know. I mean, a tremendous, I mean, you're what you're, I mean, one of the things that we're seeing is mm. a front row 
seat to the birth of of a nation. So, I mean, Ukraine has its own language. I mean, Russian is is also a dominant language, but Ukraine has its own language. So, I mean, this is one of the hallmarks of, you know, kind of nationalism. Like, do you have your own sort of, you know, unique language or at least dialect? Mm-hmm. Um, and then there are, of course, a, a handful of other things that go along with it. But, you know, Ukrainian nationalism was emerging throughout the 20th century and early 21st century. And after 2014, you know, when sanctions uh, uh, were set in place and all of these tensions uh, increased between the Ukraine and Russia, so like flights between Ukraine and Russia were ended, business between Ukraine and Russia was ended, Ukraine drew much closer to Europe. Like Mm -hmm. you can apparently, I didn't know this until I was reading a couple of days ago, you can fly to Barcelona for 30 euro from the Ukraine. Are you serious? Yeah. So that's, so that's nearly a decade, wow. nearly a decade of wow. people coming of age and vacationing in Europe and enjoying these cities and enjoying right. that kind of commercial transactions. Right. And so, and now you see literally people like beer manufacturers that have switched over to manufacturing Molotov cocktails and the volunteer army in tens of thousands of Ukrainians have signed up to join the military to defend their country. I mean, this kind of like aspirational sacrifice and blood. I mean, this is literally what makes a nation. So even if Putin wins, he's, I mean, I would say he's fucked because what he's essentially done is ensure that Ukrainians have a a separate national identity for for, for generations. Yeah, 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 yeah. absolutely. No, he fucked himself, Uh, he did. And, but I wonder who he's, if that, this is why I just, you just don't know what this man's thinking. He's fucking, he's, so I happen to like Russian culture, by the way. <laughs> Not a lot of stuff that's associated with terrible things. I like this. I like the language. I like the culture. I like some of the thinkers, the architecture. Mm. Great literature. I mean, the, you know, some of the, one of the world's great literatures. Yeah, for sure. Oh yeah, for sure. I wanted to issue that because the people, the culture, but not the oh, fucking yeah. government, right? Yeah. Not the fucking government, you know, at different times maybe, but no. And so. Mm. Yeah, I appreciate that. And I think it's an important thing to say. I agree. Absolutely. It's funny because I I almost always want to say something in front of people who are like um, sort of narrow minded. <laughs> How could you like Russia? You know, like <laughs> have you ever been there? I want to go. You know, <laughs> I actually I actually would love to go to Saint Petersburg. I've heard that the architecture yeah, there absolutely. is amazing. Yeah. It's stunning. Yeah. It's just like what is this? And so I need to read about how it kind of came about. What what the um, what the origin story is. Yeah, but yeah. the reason why I want to bring it up is that there. A government is not the the people. It is not. It it's supposed That's to protect right. the people, but it's not the population of people. And so, it's exhausting to have things done in your name. Yeah. You know, it's exhausting. Yeah. Yeah, I think. I mean, to I you know if, maybe to try and sort of to to draw it towards um, a little bit of more about Rogan uh, is you know and. And I'll be very careful about the language of this because I think, you know, there are some touchy issues uh, amongst us on, on some of this. But I would think if anything, the last two years should teach us some humility about what a country can identify with in its actions and not necessarily define the people themselves. So you you absolutely had a a grand simplification of incredibly complex issues in the last two years. And prior to that, we had a president who was, who led the country and its foreign policy yet was not elected with the majority of its voters by, by its voters in the Trump presidency. 
Um, and so it should be very clear to us as Americans, I think now, that we really need to be thinking about, A, things in, in a more nuanced way, and B, that we should never identify a country's policies with its people, ever. Like it's 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 almost always a mistake to do that, because when you're talking about polities of tens, hundreds of millions of people, how can any ideology define tens or hundreds of millions of people? How it can't it can't like you know people I know people like literally no person I've ever known has been entirely defined by an ide ideological apparatus, uh, and so. You know, you brought up the Russia thing. Like, yeah, these are totally separate things. Putin and his government in the last, like, that's not Russia. Like, that, I mean, Russia is this, like, unbelievably complicated beast, uh, you know, with a thousand-year history that, you know, in a rich language. And, you know, it's filled with all kinds. Of, I'm sorry, Seth, you are about to say something. No, I, I wanted you to continue because I was just going to say, and and I, and I think this is not necessarily fair to say because, I, you know, you're more than capable of articulating your own ideas. But I thought that where you were going with this was like to say, so the story that is being told about Joe Rogan is not. Yes, that is where I'm going. I just, you, you, you just got there faster than I did. Yes, yeah, it's that's not, right. It's not yeah. coextensive with or uh, identi identical with what, with what Joe Rogan is about and what Joe Rogan yes. does. Right. Yes. Yeah, yeah, yeah. Fair enough. I mean, I, I do think that, um, I, we sent like I sent it around. I think we all listened to it. The podcast on um, the, uh, the the episode of the podcast, the Daily, was dealt with the Joe Rogan controversy vis-a-vis mm -hmm. -vis, uh, Neil Young taking his music off Spotify because he felt that the stuff that was on Joe Rogan's po podcast, which for the audience is now exclusively uh, distributed through Spotify, hundred million dollar contract, la la la. Mm -hmm. um, Neil Young felt that having on the um, doctor, I think Peter Malone, um, uh, who was making these outrageous uh, 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 conspiracy theory, I would be so crass as to say nutter claims about... Um, so can we be specific? So I, I'm going to be clear. I do not. I'm not a Malone fan. I don't. You right. Know, he right. Makes, okay. His so claims so, are too far uh, out there. But I. But, but let's. But but let's not practice what we just criticized. So what are the specific? I'm claims about to say about totally okay, about to say. Yeah. Enough. Yeah. Okay. He claimed that, and this is the. This is only the because I did not listen to the Joe Rogan podcast. I don't have that kind of time. Two hours yeah, to wait through. Like no, no. I'm two or not, three actually. Yeah. Some of them go to three hours. Right. Yeah. Yeah. I'm. I, yeah. I'm not doing it. But. As the Daily quoted the, or, or excerpted the podcast, um, one of them that he was on, he said, the government is paying hospitals, at the, I, I'm pretty sure he said $30,000 for people who are um, diagnosed with COVID and die in a hospital. And then $3,000 for just for people who are diagnosed with COVID. Blah, blah, blah. I'm like, honest to God, one, how do you, sir, know that? Two... How do you appear on a podcast and the person who's giving you the platform, which is a platform which now is as wide as 11 million listeners, apparently. Mm -hmm. How do you not check that and call yourself? You don't have to be a journalist, but like, but do you, call, do you, do you see yourself as being a responsible 
like megaphone in the culture. I mean, that's just for me. And we can get into all the other things that Joe Rogan has because I do think he is a nuanced person. I completely agree with that. But that's not responsible as far as I'm concerned. And the, the piece that you sent around, the piece on, um, Russell Brand, um, about the, the person who called, uh-huh, uh-huh. who yeah, called yeah. him a conservative because he did this quick, uh-huh. um, sort of quantif, barely quantifiable, um, uh, uh, quantitative, analysis of all the guests who had been on Joe Rogan's podcast within a certain time period. I'm not even sure what the mm-hmm. time period is. But he he you know, lumped um, Russell Brand in with a bunch of people who were quote-unquote conservative, um, neatly arrayed in the right column versus like a, a very small number of people on the left column. And mm-hmm. and, you've, and you're... The, I'm saying you're right because I think you sent that round to say, look at how ridiculous this argument is. I think you yes, are. Yes, that was the point. Yeah. Right. I think you're right. I think Russell Brand is an, is a very nuanced thinker. He's, he's, an, he's also an, uh, for me, a really interesting one. I don't think that yeah. he's, I don't think that he's conservative, but I do want to say this. And I perused that list of people and he has Gavin McGinnis. He has Milo Yiannopoulos. Thank you. (laughs) And a bunch of people who are reprehensible. Like he had Alex Jones on there three times. And you have said yourself, Travis, on this podcast, Mm -hmm. like given the things that Alex Jones has done, particularly with regard to Sandy Hook, like you don't, you don't even consider him a human being. Like to, to punish people who've lost their children in that moment of deep, an abiding grief and trenchant, just eviscerating loss. You you hound these people and you accuse them of making a host yeah. a hoax. I mean, d- like you don't deserve you don't deserve any platform. You deserve to be in a hole somewhere. And Joe Rogan has given been on his show three times. Like, do but, we know? So I'm I stick by that. That's how I feel about it. It takes mm-hmm. a lot for me to sort of just cast someone out of the tribe mm-hmm. that Alex Jones qualifies after Sandy Hook, as far as I'm concerned. Yes. Um, how? And this is a question because I actually, because I have no idea. Um, I know he had him on after Sandy Hook once. Mm-hmm. Were the three times all after Sandy Hook or were those total? I don't know. I just went by the chart and I did a really quick, like, you know, I did Gavin McGinnis. Like, there were names that stuck with me, Barry right, Weiss, right, Gavin right, McGinnis, right, yeah. la, la, la. And I saw Alex Jones and there was a three. But, and who knows whether this reporting is accurate, right? We don't know. But I'm saying you don't have, you don't have someone like that on your show once. Not, not, not ever. So I, w- I can say this, though. My vitriol and my, uh, my disdain is laser targeted at Alex Jones. Mm-hmm. If you were to tell me that you had a conversation with Alex Jones, I would not be upset at you. Mm-hmm. I would be upset at Alex Jones still. But, but, but I don't think I don't think I don't think uh, uh, Joe Rogan. I d- didn't listen to the podcast, so I might feel differently if I listened to it. Right? I might hear him go like, "Why are you giving this guy this much space?" I'm I, 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 so I'm I'm remaining agnostic about that piece of it because I haven't. I haven't heard it, but so um, he sorry. Would, I just I sorry. I have to I have to interrupt no, no, you at this no, point. No, no, jump in, jump and in, and I'm, I'm really cognizant that I'm not giving a lot of airtime to Stephen right now. Stephen, please forgive me. I just this is like I'm not going to for, ever forgive you. No. Okay. Thank you. Good to know. <laughs> Good to know. <laughs> um, given what Alex Jones has done in the culture, culture even before Sandy Hook, 
I just want to say, I don't understand a choice to give someone that airtime. Just period. You don't, like, I just, you, that's what you don't do. Because it's the same reason that you might interview Charles Manson, for example. Uh, because I, by, I wouldn't, by, by expo, but, but someone else might make that decision for entirely reasonable, ju- with, for entirely reasonable reasons, whatever, for, for good reasons. <laughs> it's really like for entirely reasonable reasons. Reasonable. The reason is reason, reason, reason. So, you know, the, uh, so just, no, I, just, sorry, I, I just want you to walk us through. Like, what, so what are the reasons? So, because, so for example, if you were dealing with a significant percentage of the population that is only barely tuned into Alex Jones, they, you know, they, they don't actually know, um, you know, maybe they're aware of Sandy Hook, maybe they're kind of aware of what Alex Jones had to say about it. They don't pay very close attention, but they really like Joe Rogan. 11 million people apparently really like Joe Rogan. Mm-hmm. So they don't trust the media. Like they, if the media says this person like is, is, is beyond the pale and, you know, should be, should be, you know, kick him off the internet, you know, should have no, you know, Infowars should have no home, you know, no service should house it, et cetera. And you've got some some significant portion of these 11 million people that are only marginally plugged into any of this stuff. Mm-hmm. Right. And so you give Alex Jones his time mm-hmm. to say his piece to like reveal just how nutty his position is. Mm-hmm. Now, I'm saying that could be a reason for interviewing someone like mm-hmm. that. Mm-hmm. That may not satisfy what Joe Rogan did. I feel kind of silly having the conversation because I don't actually know. I feel like I should go listen that way. I could because it's kind of theoretical. Like maybe he gave mm-hmm. this guy way too much airtime. Maybe he was in, too indulgent. No, no, no. no Stephen, did you? No, no, no. Yeah. But, but, no but, but it's kind of. Go ahead. I'm sorry, Stephen. Go ahead. But it's kind of what. So I want to open the window or maybe just pull back something and think about. So we're concerned, and this is what the issue, not even the issue I have, but I'm still working through my thoughts around disinformation campaigns. Mm -hmm. What we're saying Mm -hmm. is that people get information and then they act on it without checking it, without, like they're um, almost, uh, not blameless, but they are, they're not responsible enough to check the news or to check what they're reading. So it Mm -hmm. feels like, your, your example of interviewing someone reprehensible like a Charles Manson so that people, this person exists. This person mm-hmm. did this. This person was mm-hmm. such and such. For me, even if Joe Rogan gave this man a platform and he said the most reprehensible things, something about the way that both of you are presenting this is um, has been in my mind for like the longest. How responsible can we Are we trying to protect people? And what kind of protection are we trying to put out there? We want to put out good information, but there's good information that maybe sometimes turns into terrible information. Mm-hmm. What are we what are we actually saying I think when we are doing that kind of? It's it's not censored. So very briefly, I want to say this it before. is. <laughs> I would well, say here but. it is. I want to say this. What is not censorship to me is if someone's on a platform and Neil Young, Joni Mitchell, Indiari, Ava DuVernay, and a few other people. I think Crosby, Stills, and Nash, all of them, <laughs> have pulled their put their um their either their podcast or their music office if they don't want to be on a platform with somebody that's not censorship they're no. just making a decision so but it's been framed like that in the media those are only two things i wanted to say but go ahead sorry i've said so, two things but there are yeah. people that are trying to cancel joe rogan though i mean 
I mean, it's a lazy one because it's not going to work. Right. <laughs> I, mean, I mean, here's 11, here's 11 million. Vis- and then another, another platform so, said, if you leave Spotify, we got you. Here's another yeah. 100 million. Right. <laughs> so, but this it's is actually, work. but this is my point. I feel like this is what is behind the animus directed at Joe Rogan is, you know, so I, the podcast that wait, you wait, wait, around. Wait, wait, sorry. I'm okay. sorry. I'm sorry, yeah, Travis. When you say what is directed this behind the animus, what is behind the animus? What is that? Oh, that this sort of, this basically this resentment of overreach and in oh. the, the, the kind mm. of the influence that Joe Rogan has okay. over the me, in the media discourse with 11 media uh, with 11 million listeners the okay. as opposed to listen. right yeah mm-hmm. the, the very distant second that is uh, what's the 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 name of the, the podcast the daily the daily the daily mm-hmm. by the new york times yeah mm-hmm. so I have a visceral, so I listen to it. I have a visceral negative reaction to something that is that produced when it comes to a podcast format. Uh, like it just, w- when you are filtering, when you are filtering, and they even remark on this self-consciously in the podcast, they talk about like the number of takes and rehearsals that yes, they go through. Absolutely. Like, if, mm-hmm. if your, if your news product is being filtered by that many hands that many mm-hmm. degrees, that many jobs, that many elites, right? Sponsors, I mean, a sponsors. Yes. Your view must be sanitized, normalized, and mediocritized. I just said, I, I just, I just, I just did like a whole like, like, like I was preaching or something. I don't, but that I do think is the result. And I'll give you a very concrete example. So at the very end, they were talking about <laughs> his responsibility. I mean, I just found it. I just found the tone so irritating. Like, you know, I feel like maybe the platform's just growing up and soon they'll be as responsible as we are at the New York Times. (laughs) Okay. The New York Times, which was wrong about WMDs, the New York Times, which was wrong about Russia, the New York Times, Mm. which has been wrong about COVID, like the New York Times, which has been wrong about any huge number of consequential political issues in the last 50 years. Joe Rogan's errors are not the problem. Joe Rogan's popularity is their fucking problem with him. That may not be your problem, Seth. I don't, I'm not, I don't actually, Mm. it's not a straw man argument. I don't necessarily think that's what you're saying, but I absolutely think that that is what, that motivates the animus towards him amongst our uh, elite class of people of which I would count myself among. Wow. Okay. So I think I I need more gin. Um, <laughs> I think we're gonna need another bottle over here. Yeah. Um, Bartender. Um, there's so much I want to in response to that. Um, first of all, I want to just, and this is, I, I really want to be careful here to not offend either of you. Mm-hmm. But I'm not sure that we deserve. You, I don't know that you can offend me. <laughs> I mean, maybe I, I you know. could. I mean, that's, I, yeah, I, don't, I don't know. I, I mean, I, yeah, I wouldn't have, like, if I said something about some cracker <laughs> and whatever, you probably wouldn't be offended. So, yeah, I guess, I don't yeah, know. Anyway, yeah. um, <laughs> I don't know that we should count ourselves in the same, and I, I really, I mean this in, a, in, a, in the best way. Like, I don't know that we should count ourselves in the same conversation or in the same <laughs> ways that we talk about the New York Times. Because I don't think that our vote, like, and, and I get it. We are, we are elitist in some ways. Like we, we actually, Travis, Webb, Stephen Fullwood, Seth Rodney all have the time 
to sit around and talk about ideas in meaningful ways mm-hmm. and, and, mm-hmm. and in very engaged and um, robust ways. But we have the time to do that. We've constructed lives mm-hmm. that allow us to do this. So we're privileged, right? Let's just mm-hmm. say that. We're not as privileged as the New York Times. We're just not, I don't think we're in, we're in the same conversation. We're not the same platform. I don't think we have the same power. Oh, right. Like, no, nowhere near like, the same power. That's what I'm, yeah, that's yeah, yeah. What I'm getting. So you, These are totally different scales. Right. Of course, that's true. Right, right, right. Yeah, yeah. So what I think is when you say, so I think the New York Times problem is blah, blah, blah. That's very possible that um, the people who run the New York Times think quite differently about Joe Rogan because they actually see themselves as, as um, a potential rival, and they don't mm-hmm. like that he has as much pull in the in the um, in the culture as he does. Mm-hmm. The thing, hmm, what do I want to say about that? Joe Rogan. And this is this is um, something that came up with someone I was actually dating a little while ago. Does this thing, which I think is is slightly dangerous in this time. Stephen mentioned disinformation, misinformation. Mm-hmm. I think what's dangerous in this time is to give people a megaphone without being judgmental. I think that it's really, really important, especially now when. Basically, people can go to any source on the internet and become radicalized, right? Like this mm-hmm. is like we've read the stories about people falling in with the Proud Boys and deciding that mm-hmm. they like needed to take up the cause of of um, of uh, protecting the homeland from incursions of colored people. Mm-hmm. Um, this is a time when I think it's really important to use, I do, I, I want to say use, I want to use the word responsible, like use platforms uh-huh. responsibly. Like, and it's right. not about censorship. It's more about, it's more about active, careful judgment. Like I, there are certain things in hyperallergic um, that we will not publish. Um, right. People will make arguments. I'm, I'm the opinions editor. So I get a lot of, pitches to like make this and that argument. Mm-hmm. And there are things that we will not publish because we think we don't want to put that out into the world as being valid. Like, mm-hmm. oh, I'll give a better example, better example, better example. Years ago, when I was just a staff writer, um, we were having a big, we had a big morning editorial meeting as we did um, pretty much every day. And I saw this uh, an image of this show at James Fuentes Gallery, which is the lower side of Manhattan. They had uh, I don't remember the I don't remember the name of the artist, but the image of that represented the show was of a woman. I want to say a woman in her twenties or thirties, um, just from the shoulders up, and there was semen just sprayed across her face, right, kind of like dripping down, and the mm-hmm. show. I guess kind of went from there and did other things like that with like women who like, you know, the posture, the position, their sort of, um, their sort of demeanor, like indicated nothing was wrong, but there was all of this semen dripping. And so they were getting to, I guess they were getting at like 
the ways that pornography treat women or something like that. I don't know. Mm-hmm. Mm-hmm. But I, I, in the, sh- in the meeting, I said, um, I really want to, I want to write about this because I just think that this artist is just wrong. Like the, if the position they're taking is wrong. It doesn't make sense to show these images to talk about if you're going to, if you're going to critique whatever the porn industry or whatever. To make porn to critique porn is yeah, yeah. a problem. Yeah. Yeah. It's, 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 pro- it's a problem. It's, 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 it's dumb. But Harag said, mm-hmm. Harag said, like, you know, we can talk about whether that's a, a, a reasoned position or not, but Harag mm-hmm. said, like, why, why, why give them any daylight? Like, don't, don't shine a light on them. Like, just ignore it. Mm-hmm. That's what I feel like we need to do in some instances with people like Alex Jones. Do not shine a light on them. They do not deserve it. Mm-hmm, mm-hmm. So I have a response to that, but I want to. As Stephen had made a, a pretty impassioned face, <laughs> comment. So, <laughs> um, so when I think of the space that the internet has offered, so many more platforms. I mean, countless platforms mm. that are being born every day. Mm. They keep saying that I, th- I did something around podcasts, some research on podcasts about a year or so ago, and their podcasts. Like hundreds every year, more podcasts, more more platforms, yeah. not to mention blogs and other kinds of websites and so forth. Mm. And my cons- the reason why I think I'm it's not a quandary. There's a I'm th- trying to figure out how best to how can we hold people responsible for things that um, we say no, this isn't true, this isn't this isn't true, this isn't the and not mm. and not be censorship and not be censorous. But really think about the impact it has on a culture that's really never really fully been free, but is trying to get to free. Like when I go back to my example about this idea of who are we protecting, I'm really concerned about that because in a way we're saying that people it's it feels like the um it feels like uh, what when you vote. You vote. It's that the uh, they have representatives from every state. What is it called? The um, you mean the electoral college? Right. I'm like, are we the electoral college of information? <laughs> Do we want to say that's a great that analogy? Only I think that's a so great many analogy. right. So many uh, information outlets can be thought of as you know authorized. Yeah. And and so I'm swirling in between you guys' thoughts around this. God, they keep beeping. They keep beeping. Shut up. <laughs> Shut up. But, but you know, Stephen, you know, you, Travis and I, just a while back, um, well, months, months ago, we kind of came to the conclusion that our culture is in profound ways really adolescent. So if we, oh, yeah. if, if, if yeah, we yeah, believe yeah. that, then there's a kind of, yeah, and I admit that this, it's, 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 I got to so be the careful thing, here, but I don't feel comfortable being anybody's daddy other than my child. Thank you. Right. So yes. I was just, okay. Wait, wait, wait. So and no one was gonna, my father. Well, go right, ahead, sorry. So I want I was going to use the word avuncular. Like I don't like, uh, I don't want to be okay, anybody's okay. daddy, but I can be somebody's uncle. I can be somebody's coach. I can be somebody's uh-huh, like uh-huh, friend yeah. and say, no, I, I, I see where you're going, Travis. Like you're thinking yeah. like, who the fuck are you to be anybody's uncle? And did they ask you to do that shit? <laughs> yes. Here's, here's, but here's the <laughs> thing. That's right. But here's the thing. They ask Joe Rogan tacitly to be their uncle. That's right. And they can ask Seth Rodney to be their uncle if they want to. That's what it means. Like, this is like people are free-ish. 
they're not free, right? We're influenced by all these things. We've got all these groups. Right. We have this education, this language, all these things, you know, the Sapir-Whorf hypothesis, you know, language shapes thinking, all that kind of stuff. Fine. But we're kind of free-ish. Like, we can kind of, like, we can move. We can change our minds. We can, you know, reinvent ourselves. Like, there, there is a kind of a wildness inside of every single person that, yeah, let's call it adolescent. And the best way to help an adolescent become an adult is to give them the fucking space to figure out how to make their way in the world. And all mm. you do when you try to authorize knowledge networks is piss people off. All you do is make people mad. When I was listening to these, like, like you're right, Seth, I think to call out, like, of course, our like little one watt podcast is nothing compared to the kilojoules that is, you know, the New York Times or any of these other things. Of course not. But these, and I'm going to say it advisedly, I understand there are limitations to this. These people that produce these podcasts that are responsible for the production of these podcasts that star in these podcasts that produce these stories, mm -hmm. I read them all the time. And yeah. I am a pretty sensitive reader. And what wafts off the pixels to me and what comes through the podcasts and the videos is that they actually believe that their version of the world is more informed than mine. Fuck you. No, it's not. That and, and so and I and and I am and and I am glad and this is one thing that like I mean you, people can't see on the pod like I get a little like up in my chest about this like <laughs> it is one thing that I am absolutely grateful for COVID for because it it what it woke up in me is a little bit of that adolescent fuck you attitude I had when I was younger and I'm glad it's back because the people that are claiming to know the shit that they know don't mm. know it bullshit. Mm. And that is the miracle of democracy. It's the fuck you. I'm going to, I'm not going to do what you tell me. And I think ultimately it's the last thing and I'll let you jump in. I think ultimately I trust people enough, like as messy as that party might get in the morning, there will be people to clean it up. And I absolutely believe that. Okay. Mm. So two things on that. One is, um, I think you're a little bit glib when you say, and you did not say this in this, past monologue mm -hmm. <laughs> your soliloquy <laughs> you did not use the word mainstream but you often do when you talk about um the media uh uh that that sort of i try to use legacy media is what i try to use but yeah yeah but i want to and i want to point out what in the new york times podcast on joe rogan this the episode on joe rogan pointed out joe rogan is also the mainstream he has yeah. a weapon. He has that, but he's not legacy. I no, agree. Right. So there's no, a difference. Fair, but yeah, we, I agree with be, you. we have to be the really careful. Like, right. mm -hmm. like he is a mainstream. He's an alternative mainstream, I guess, to, to legacy media. But he is a mainstream. Artist. For sure, that's true. Like, yeah, oh, yeah, for sure. And I and I want to say too, like I, I I took issue, and I, I this is just a, like a bump in the road. I don't want to spend a lot of time on this, but I wonder if you guys noticed that like one of the ways that they describe the guy in the New York Times. Um, the Daily Podcast described the average Joe, Joe Rogan listener was they said. Mm, I noticed. Yeah. I know what yeah. you're talking I, about. I just, I, yeah. I, I, I no, there's a, they said, they yeah. said they work hard. They come home to their families. Want to drink a beer. 
they like yeah they like to drink beer they're smart um um they tell a dirty joke or two i'm like who what what the fuck who is this like what mm-hmm. are you talking about like i don't i don't but you know what they're talking about yes that is average, exactly average right Stephen. they white do male i know it's yep. just ridiculous yes. middle class it's white male. Anyway. all code for white male that absolutely yeah, yeah, yeah. right yeah yeah I, and i i was like fuck that anyway would you say the same thing travis if you like five years on from world war ii and you were looking back at the kind of power and play that Lenny Reifenstahl had mm-hmm. in the, in Nazi Germany. Would you say the same thing about, oh, yeah, like, let her, like, make her films, let her, like, make a propaganda. It doesn't matter. Like, people, are, you know, people are, need to be adults. They need to make their own decisions. A bunch of people who were adults who made their own conscious decisions signed on to that campaign and exterminated a bunch of people, not just Jews, but foreigners, queer people, la la la. Like, I think it's a great example, and I think, uh, and and I, I have a full response in my head. I'm not sure if I can articulate it off the cuff, but it would be something like this: um, the the Reifenstahl example is an example of a culture that has narrowed the 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 window of opinions. And what I'm advocating for is the opposite. And I feel like what the New York Times is on the side of is the wrong side of history in this instance. I think that they are for the narrowing of the Overton window of acceptable political opinions. And that you never get a Lenny Reifenstahl if, in fact, you have a proliferation of of, of opinions like you have with Joe Rogan. And that these people never get the kind of oxygen that is necessary to allow them to grow. Once they have reached that stage, then no, I would I would kind of return to uh, Denise Diderot has this argument that basically the theater and entertainment is uh, is a good in a just society and an evil in an evil society. That essentially it amplifies whatever the internal ethic is of that society, which mm-hmm. seems like right to me. You know, I'm not sure I'd want to see a play production in the South in 1835. It's probably not contributing to anything good. But in this instance, I think the more voices, the better. And I think that what has happened to legacy media is that they have they have taken it in authoritarian posture and they're wrong all the time. This was the thing that was the most irritating about listening to that podcast is they were, they're wrong all the time on major consequential things, totally wrong all the time. And they aren't the only ones that get to be wrong. Like it's fine for Joe Rogan to be fucking wrong. All of those, the N word and that awful, awful, awful anecdote about the planet of the apes. Like, I'm sorry, mm-hmm. that was a straight up racist fucking story that you just told on that yeah. podcast. There's no defense of it. It's ugly and awful. And it was fucking stupid. And he's human. And you know, I'm not I'm not even like dismiss I'm saying he got to be he gets to be wrong just like the New York Times gets to be wrong. And that doesn't mean that he's beyond the pale of the community forever. That's mm-hmm. that's just how I feel about it. Like someone can go too far. I'm not in a position to say I Alex Jones too far for me. Like that's you're out. I'm out at that point. Like I'm not mm-hmm. going to listen to anything you have to say about anything. But yeah, I mean that's that's how I feel about it. So I, I think the Riff Shaw is is a good example. But I just think we're on opposite sides of it. Right. Well, I wanted to. I do want to say that I do think that the New York Times doesn't get everything wrong. I do think that the New York Times gets some not everything. Just all the time. I said they get it wrong all the time. 
but not every time. Every time and all the time is different. Right. Okay. Fair enough. Um, and I mean it. I mean it that way. No, of course they're not wrong every time. That's a good distinction to put out. Yes. Yeah. 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 Um, I. I. Um, well, actually, I feel like I'm taking up too much oxygen, Stephen. We're done. We're no longer friends. I mean, you just continue. <laughs> I'm sitting over here, dry mouth, <laughs> mouth dry. No, actually, I'm really liking this conversation because I'm really, I'm, ex- I'm, um, I'm intrigued by how far you guys are both trying to go with to explain your positions, and I've been skewing towards a more of a Travis thing because I'm thinking, who's authorization? Who's heaven? Right? Whose yeah. moment? Who's this? And I think the more I th- read more national, international literature, the more I think about the moments where someone was thinking, not like Yousef, but they were thinking, we need to protect the populace, we need to put out good information. It didn't feel like it ever went that great um, mm. because, because people get caught up in, I'm the right one. And so it almost feels like the, um, the consequence of trying to live in a democracy, do you know, of having these these multiple and different kinds of opinions. I don't want to look, ever look at Kellyanne Conway on television ever. <laughs> she is a pain in the ass. She is a terrible person. She is a she's not a, and all the Republicans, every single one of them who are now. Uh, hugging on Putin or hugging on him way before this. Uh, I never want to see these people again because they're opportunists. They're just interested in their own bottom line. They have no interest in people, but they're more, they're interested in people to sway them, to move them over here, to put out disinformation. Ratings or clicks. I get it. Right. Clicks. Get your clicks, you know, but damn, do you always have to put my mother under the bus? Always, (laughs) always, you know? So, yeah, but I want to say that about Joe Logan is like, okay, so Mm -hmm. really interested in ideas and 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 the and the wide, I, okay the wide spectrum of ideas okay so i get that you have stephen pinker yeah neil degrasse tyson but like why haven't you had like cornell west? if he I mean, if yes i had actually, cornell west he has yes. okay okay so why haven't you had um um what's the name claudia rankin like if like if you're if you're really interested in ideas, right? Like why haven't you had Sadia Hartman? Why that's that's, that's an infinitely long list. What's well, infinitely long list, and it's also presupposing he doesn't ex, um, extended an invitation to these people, and they said yeah. yes. Yeah. yeah, yeah. But I hear I hear your larger point about it. But yeah, I was just wondering because I'm like, if you have Gavin McGinnis, Ben Shapiro, um, Ben Shapiro, Milo, yelling up a bubble. And um, and um, um, uh, Alex Jones and uh-huh. Candace Owens. I'm like, Ugh. you know, I, honestly, like it's just like yeah. They had Sanjay. He had Sanjay Gupta on. What? I mean, he's he had Sanjay Gupta on. He's got he puts people. I mean, it, it may skew in one direction. I mean, here's the thing. I don't look. I'm not Joe Rogan's audience. You know, mm-hmm. I'm just, I'm not, I'm not. You don't the work hard, you're me. not a little smart and you don't tell a dirty joke. You're not, you're not I never a drink a beer. mixed martial yeah. artist who eats <laughs> meat, who yeah. is both <laughs> right, right. hyper-masculine and also at times he's not 
hyper masculine. Sometimes he's quite. Sometimes he likes to watch and Net- Netflix and chill. Yeah. So, and no, <laughs> well, no, no, no. I don't want to minimize that because I've, I've seen him do things where I'm like going, "Whoa, no, that guy is actually trying to argue for a more thoughtful, engaged representation with men, usually white men, with being uh, more open and less static." So, no, yeah, I, I, I give that to Joe Rogan. I will. Yeah. Yeah. Yeah, so I'm not Joe Rogan's audience, but I don't need to be Joe Rogan's audience. I don't need Joe Rogan to, I don't need Joe Rogan to circumscribe what he's doing with his show. I just, I don't need that. I don't, and so to me, what drives, again, I'm, I'm repeating, what drives this frustration and this anxiety from the professional media class is it's just ratings. Like it's just essentially that Mm. people like listening to him. The reason they don't like listening to these people is not because of their good sense. And this is the thing that I find particularly Uh. irritating. It's not, people are not tuning out the New York Times, CNN, MSNBC, because these people are dispensing wisdom and other people and the ignorant masses don't want to hear it. They don't want to be preached to about like about issues that are of marginal utility to their own individual lives. Fair, and fair. so, fair, no, oh, fair. I'm sorry, go ahead. No, no, no sorry, in. I interrupted you, but fair. And But I want to say some of these people, not all of them, but some of these people are the same people who are banning books like blah, blah, mm-hmm. blah, like um, right. kids, was it just kids? I just listened to this podcast about a guy who's written a, a book about a black kid in elementary school who just moved to a new elementary school was try, trying to fit in and he'd been invited apparently he's bestseller la 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 invited around the country to go to various elementaries he, he's been drawing he's a cartoonist been drawing for like mm-hmm. 15 20 years mm-hmm. apparently one woman in texas thought that his book was about critical race theory so got the whole shebang canceled yeah um um i want to say that some of these people who are um, the people who don't want to be preached to, who resent the New York Times, authoritarian, mm-hmm. CNN, MSNBC, la la la. Um, some of these people are the same people who then turn around and say, well, I don't want to, they basically stick their fingers in the ears and, and yell and say, I don't want to hear anything that is in any way challenging to my current worldview. And I have well. a problem with that. I have a problem with that. And I have a problem with the idea that in some ways Joe Rogan is feeding them. He's like saying, yes, you're right to have this kind of myopia. Yes. Um, we, so, don't have to so, be too, we don't have to be too critical in this show. We can just like let anybody come on and say anything. You can figure it out for yourself. And you know what they're going to do? They're going to say, yeah, I love Alex Jones and what he's saying. And I hate this critical mm-hmm. race theory bullshit. So th- I would I would be a hundred percent on your side if they were not also doing the same thing to opinions that they do not sanction. Abigail Schreer's book *Irreversible Damage* was essentially banned de facto by Amazon and all of these other places because they didn't like the argument, which is that, you know, essentially pushing for gender transformation amongst kids is potentially damaging because adolescents are going through, um, are essentially in a kind of liminal space in general, and so they are susceptible to being nudged in unhealthy directions. 
This isn't a, this isn't an anti-trans book. It's not about like, you know, saying that it's not transphobic. This is just saying that, you know, 14 year olds shouldn't probably be doing this or we need to look at this more critically. This book was absolutely excoriated and excluded from polite company when it came out. Mm -hmm. They do the same thing. They are doing the same. Uh, Oh, the media. So like New York Times, no, I mean, Amazon literally, if I remember correctly, I would have to, I think Amazon refused to sell it for a little while or something mm-hmm. like, I mean, it was, it was significant. The amount of effort that went into shadow banning this work from polite company uh, and discussion. And so, yeah. And so I, you know, I think we, we are, we're all, we're all, we're all, we're all signal each other like five minutes, two minutes. Yeah, well, I, think, gotta wrap up the I think that was, I think that was like two minutes ago. So I think we really have like, like minutes left. Yeah. All right. So, so, so who, wait, who introduced the topic? Was it you, Travis? Uh, well, it kind of came out organically from our last conversation that we talked about, like, oh, we should talk about Joe Rogan next time. Well, well, you're the white man, so why don't you have the last <laughs> <laughs> No, no, no. Listen, I'm the alternative media over here. Listen, that means I have the right answer. I have the right answer. I am the black gay man. I have the right answer. So let me have the last word. Give it to us. Well, no, no so Where's as the, the white man, I'm going to tell all of the non-white people about their microaggressions. <laughs> I just think they're wrong. <laughs> That's not exactly what you're. I'm going to gaslight everyone <laughs> and say that. Um, so okay, well we can we can just end with that. Uh, uh, <laughs> Stephen, is, is there a part two to this? I think so. I think there is. There are a few things that I will kind of share with you guys um, about my take on Joe Rogan stuff because. Um, Steph took all the t- Steph took all my time. I said, "Have anything?" <laughs> <laughs> okay, so next, so next, next week we'll just continue, and then Stephen, you'll start us off because I honestly, I mean, I know you are more familiar with Joe Rogan than either one of us, right? I mean, this is I, I mean, you, well, I did listen to him before. I did yeah. listen to him before Spotify. Pre Spotify, yeah, 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 yeah pre Spotify, and I listened to specific ones because I like the fact I like the long play. I like them talking for a while, and I also wanted to mm-hmm. find out where. Uh, was it uh, uh, Yiannopoulos, Milo Yiannopoulos? I was like, well, mm-hmm. who's this guy? What is? And I think that he does. He, so he wouldn't show up the same on Piers Morgan. It's a short segment. Mm-hmm. Piers Morgan's always inter- you know interrupting his guests, that kind of thing. So, mm-hmm. so I just wanted to. Um, I wanted to talk I get, for one of a better way of framing it is the benefits of listening to Joe Rogan. Mm-hmm. Okay. Yeah. All right. Benefits of listening to Joe Rogan. All right. And that'll so, be our next conversation. It's been fun. (laughs) Yeah. All right. Okay. Good to talk to you guys. All right. (laughs) Bye. (laughs) 